The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Russus John Rushdooning. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. The Cartesian Heresy, Chalcedon Position Paper, number 109. We are routinely influenced by men whose names we may not know, but whose ideas are the axioms of almost all men. The key figure in the modern age in this respect has been René Descartes. The starting point of philosophy in the modern era has been Descartes' Cogito Ergo Sum. I think, Therefore I am. The autonomous human consciousness and mind were his starting point, and, with this existential premise, Descartes reasoned out to substantiate or prove the existence of the physical world and of God. For Descartes, man's mind or soul was locked up inside one of man's glands and therefore received all knowledge through the senses second-hand. Bishop Berkeley applied Occam's razor to Descartes' and discarded the physical world. All that a man has are sense impressions of such a world, sent by God. Hume was more logical. We could not know nor demonstrate the reality of either God or the physical universe. All we have is the mind of autonomous man and his impressions. All this made sense. Remember on the premise that man's mind is distinct from his physical being and has only second-hand sense impressions in his mind. Immanuel Kant resolved this crisis by saying that knowledge is not the congruity of our mind with objects outside of us. Rather, quote, we must make trial 
whether we may not have more success in the task of metaphysics if we suppose that objects must confirm to our knowledge. Unquote. Kant, Critique of Pure Reason, Preface to the Second Edition, B. 14. Among the many who saw some of the implications of this was Karl Marx. In his, quote, thesis on Feuerbach, unquote, he wrote, quote, The philosophers have only interpreted the world in various ways. The point, however, is to change it, unquote. Hegel had said, quote, The rationale is the real, unquote. And now Marx and others were determined to make reality become what their mind conceived to be rational. Sartre and others limited reality also to the autonomous and existential consciousness of the human mind. Instead of being one aspect of reality, man's mind had become reality. The result is a blindness especially marked in modern man, a refusal to recognize as real whatever is objectionable to one's mind. David Klinghoffer, in, quote, AIDS and Just Another Word, unquote, in the Wall Street Journal, January 20th, 1989, page A-17, wrote, quote, Miss Susan Sontag wants to do to AIDS what her admirers in the semiotics department have done to literature, namely, bleed all the meaning out of it, unquote. Reality has become what the self-consciously would-be autonomous minds of scientists and intellectuals will it to be. A recent book by a scientist is emphatic on this point. Bruce Gregory's Inventing Reality, Physics as Language, 1988. Physics, we are told, is simply a language. It does not give us facts about reality because physics as a language is reality. Quote, There seems to be no already made world waiting to be discovered. The fabric of nature, like all fabrics, is woven by human beings for human purposes, unquote. page 186. Gregory, associate director of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, cites with approval Albert Einstein's comment when someone asked how he would have felt if observations failed to confirm his theory. Einstein answered, quote, then I should have felt sorry for the dear Lord. The theory is correct, unquote. Page 10. Einstein also said, quote, Physical concepts are free creations of the human mind and are not, however it may seem, uniquely determined by the external world. Unquote. Page 189. There is much more in this vein in Gregory's book. Our concern is to call attention to the fact that this same Cartesian reduction of reality to man's autonomous mind and its sense impressions and ideas also marks theology. In theology, the Cartesian perspective replaces the biblical history with ideas. These ideas are called, quote, myths, unquote, and, quote, symbols, unquote. Because myths and symbols are mental constructs, they are more real for these thinkers than are the God-given facts. Like Einstein, if their symbols disagree with God's revealed word, so much the worse for God. The liturgy of the church until recently had ancient roots in the Old Testament and in the early church. Now, the old meanings of the various liturgical practices are being replaced with man-made or man-ordained meanings. The reality of the crucifixion and the atonement is replaced by the symbols of the communion. 
The historical meaning is replaced by the primacy of the symbol. Because these theologians, in speaking to, quote, ordinary, unquote, believers, do not try to distress the faithful by denying the reality of the historical, the people do not see what has happened to the historic faith. Karl Barth was insistent on the centrality of the virgin birth to the faith, but he denied that it was an actual historical event. Reinhold Niebuhr said that the resurrection was at the heart of Christianity, but not as something that occurred in the physical world in Jerusalem. An emphasis on symbolism and the symbols of the faith in this Cartesian sense is now pervasive in all circles. Greek Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant, fundamentalist and modernist, Calvinist and Armenian. In one sphere after another, symbols have replaced reality and become the new reality. Some years ago, an image of pathos and humor was the madman who believed he was Napoleon. What his mind decreed that he was became for him, quote, reality, unquote. What in such a person was seen as insanity is now good philosophy. The world of Descortes now holds in economics, politics, education, theology, and elsewhere that the rational is the real. That which man's mind decrees to be the valid symbols becomes thereby reality. The roots of this are in Genesis 3, 5. Man's will to be his own God, knowing or determining for himself what constitutes good and evil, reality and non-reality. Real is a word coming from the Latin realis of the thing itself. The concept once presupposed reality to be something above and beyond man. The supreme and uncreated reality is the triune God. The universe of created things is a subsistent reality. In example, a reality which subsists or stands under God. Because of Descartes' presupposition and its effect on modern thought, reality now has either an existential meaning or a pragmatic one. We are told that for pragmatism, truth or reality is what works. This should be qualified to read, it is what works for me. The ultimate criterion for Cartesianism is the autonomous mind of man. At one time, the test of reality, truth, and authenticity was, quote, what say the scholastics, unquote, or, quote, what are the scientific facts, unquote, or, quote, what say the Bible, unquote. Now, people respond in any argument with, quote, well, I think, unquote, or, quote, in my opinion, unquote, or, quote, I feel, unquote. Every man has become his own version of reality, and he is the test and the standard of all things. In recent years, some academicians have declared that we are now in a postmodern era. These same people are often advocates of deconstructionist thinking. In either case, their basic position is to demolish the validity of all reality outside the mind of man. They are simply radical and abject followers of the Cartesian model. The dualism inherent in Descartes is not biblical. In Scripture, the mind of man, or his soul, is not a something cooped up in a gland or anywhere else. Man was created by God, quote, a living soul, unquote. Genesis 2, 7. He is fully mind and body, not a half-and-half -half product. 
Descartes made man's central problem to be one of knowledge. The Bible disagrees. Man's problem is primarily and essentially sin. As long as man evades his true problem, his sins will increase and his knowledge will be blighted. The word, quote, heresy, unquote, means a taking for oneself. In example, determining for oneself what to believe and accept instead of assenting to what God sets forth in His Word. Cartesianism exalts precisely this temper into a philosophy, the mind of man as the determiner of truth and reality. At present, state schools in the United States boast of teaching values, but the values they teach are self-determined or Cartesian values. The student is taught that it is his choice that values are to be chosen in terms of one's needs and goals. This is why our humanistic world order is in trouble and is under judgment. Cartesian self-indulgence is also apparent in churches when people demand that the preaching please them, make them feel good, concentrate on what interests them, and so on. The emphasis is on what the people want, not what God ordains. The world of Descartes is a dying world and a mad world. Quote, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Unquote. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Walt Whitman said, quote, Man must become a law unto himself. Unquote. Ralph Waldo Emerson declared, quote, Build therefore your own world. Unquote. The result is a nightmare world. To separate ourselves from this mad world of dreams and symbols is an act of sanity and faith. May 1989 Morality and Growth Calcine Position Paper Number 110 A very serious error many churchmen are guilty of is to assume that non-Christians share common moral values and standards with Christians. All that is supposedly needed is to add Christ to their lives. This means overlooking the fact that the unbeliever is at enmity with God. Romans 8, 7, James 4, 4. The fact of enmity may be concealed, but it is all the same very real. Quote, evangelism, unquote, based on this error, presents Christ as a plus, an asset to be added to one's existing life to make it complete whereas what the Lord requires is the total remaking or regeneration of man. A second serious error, especially important in our time, is to assume that because we view life morally, other people see things like we do, as a conflict between good and evil, right and wrong. But the essence of modern thought is to deny that such a distinction is valid. If man's problems are environmental, educational, or inherited, Morality is not the issue. A retired American general, a man of particularly high character and ability as well as Christian faith, questioned the nature of U.S. Senate Department policies to some leaders there. Recognizing his Christian stand, they immediately discounted his remarks, calling them, quote, the devil theory of politics, unquote. By this, they meant that it is wrong to speak of evil political movements like Marxism. The problem is not evil, but a matter of understanding and assistance. The classic formulation of this perspective on an international basis was the work of President John F. Kennedy.
who, in terms of the thinking of Daniel Bell, declared that our national and international problems are not moral, but technological ones, to be solved by scientific experts. Kennedy's presidency brought into the open and into power a long-developing tendency to abandon the Christian and moral perspective for a sociological one. Christians may continue to view political problems moralistically, and politicians may continue to use moral language, knowing that it appeals to the people. But in the halls of Congress, the administration, and the courts, the moral dimension is largely gone. We see this in foreign affairs with a special clarity. World peace is going to be attained. It is believed by world trade and by foreign loans. By making the nations interdependent, they believe the nations will of necessity live in peace, hence foreign loans. Morality is no longer a consideration of state except as a means of appealing to, quote, backward, unquote, voters who are still governed by biblical, quote, mythology, unquote. For these enlightened ones, Christians are about as irrelevant as the flat earthers. We do not abolish the sun when we become blind. Neither can our unbelief abolish God or abrogate His laws. They remain as a judgment against us. One consequence of trying to abandon biblical moral premises is hypocrisy. Because man is created by God, every atom of man's being is inescapably governed by religious and moral premises, and for man to deny this fact is to go against his own being. If man denies good and evil in life and mankind, he puts on a false front and, quote, hypocrisy, unquote, means a mask, a false front. One of the most telling books of recent years was by Tung Chi Ping and Humphrey Evans, The Thought Revolution, London, 1967. Tung Chi Ping's account of life in Red China gives us an Orwellian picture. He wrote, quote, One aspect of communist ideology concerns the theory that human nature can be altered by changing the environment. Under the environment of the preceding social orders, people were motivated by self-interest. Under socialism, however, the individual would begin to act in response to the best interest of his community, unquote. Page 97. In brief, man's, quote, character, unquote, is a product of economic determinism, not moral choice. In practice, however, the new economics did not change anyone. During a time of food shortages, the pigs were fed human feces to keep them alive and fatten them. University students were taken out of their classes to collect and feed the latrine contents to the pigs. This repulsive cargo was carried in a barrel slung from a pole carried on the students' shoulders. From time to time, the pole would break and the contents spill over the young man or woman carrying the barrel. What the Communist Party chief wanted to hear at the testimonial sessions was hypocritical joy over the task. What Tung Chi Ping told Mimi, a girl who had a barrel's contents wash over her, was this, quote, On your next one, testimonial time, you must mention this incident. Make it sound as bad as you can. Then say that in the days of the previous regime, you would have been unspeakably embarrassed. Now, however, while your distress is equally great, it is due entirely to your regret 
that some of the people's precious pig fodder has been wasted, unquote. Page 102. Success was assured by this strategy because it meant that all such persons were not thinking moralistically, but pragmatically. Not in terms of good or evil, but rather political opportunism. It was recognized that such people were essential to the revolution. Moral people are critical. Pragmatists are subservient. A generation ago, Harry Ironsides wrote on holiness, the true and the false. He called attention to the fact that doctrines of holiness which call for perfectionism lead to serious mental and moral problems. A pious front replaces moral strength. A pretense of holiness replaces day-by-day growth in grace. The results become either hypocrisy or mental breakdowns. We live in a moral universe. We are converted out of a conscious or unconscious enmity to God and His law. When we are born as infants, we must grow into maturity. When we are reborn in Christ, growth is again a necessity. For this reason... St. Paul warned against the hasty promotion into leadership of a new convert. 1 Timothy 3.6 A novice in the faith is not ready for leadership. 1 Timothy 3.6 James Moffat's rendering of 1 Timothy 5.22 is very telling. Quote, Never be in a hurry to ordain a presbyter. Do not make yourself responsible for the sins of another man. Keep your own life pure. Unquote. An age which denies either the necessity of a moral perspective or which denies the need for moral growth for sanctification is in deep trouble. It has blinded itself to the light of the sun, and it insists that the sun does not exist. We live in a moral universe and in a realm that requires growth in every sphere. The sovereign grace of God through Jesus Christ removes us from the no-growth world of sin and death into the world of grace and growth. There are neither problems nor growth in the grave. Given our need to mature in Christ, our world of problems are a challenge to growth and to victory. We need to hear from the pulpits what parents once routinely said, quote, Stop complaining and grow up! Unquote. By rejecting morality for technological standards, the world of John F. Kennedy is doomed to die. The regenerating power of Christ unto salvation gives life. And God's law, as our moral order, gives us maturity or growth. June 1989 Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushby. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his paying the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Praise
the way that He will show, and follow the road leading us home. Tell the 